All right, we're going to have a time for some questions. And so if you're a brother in the church, you'd like to ask Austin a question, you can raise your hand. Landon will bring you the microphone. Please stand and speak up clearly so everybody can hear you and then ask your question and then have a seat. In uh, discussions on topics like this, sometimes we might conjure a hypothetical, maybe based on an, an experience we've had or something that we are familiar with. Let's just be careful about that, that we're not uh, you know, bringing up hypotheticals that might indict people in an inappropriate way uh, and then run afoul of everything we've just been studying. So you, if you want to use a personal hypothetical, you can use me and that'd be fine and then I'll answer for it later. So uh, any uh, questions to get us started? I, I, I do have a question I'll start with and then we'll go to Alan. You know, uh, I think that most of us sort of bemoan cancel culture. And we talk about how terrible of a thing it is that uh, people will gang up on someone based maybe merely on an allegation. I think we have the same problem. Um, maybe we've had it for longer than society has. Where based on an allegation, we hear about a certain person, we might decide, oh, well, we ought not to call on that person to lead a song, or we ought not to invite this person to come to our congregation. Uh, and so we, as you indicated here in the final part of your discussion, we make decisions based on allegations. And so uh, you gave warnings about that, but maybe you could talk us through then if, and if it, local leaders or elders hear what they think may be is a legitimate accusation about someone, maybe their character or something they've done, uh, what's their responsibility to try to find out if that allegation is true? And so maybe it's an allegation that's concerning about someone's character, and sure, they could just ignore it, right? That's always an option if they think it's not credible, but if they suspect it might be, what's the process that they should follow to try to see if that's true and then make a decision accordingly? And then we'll go to Alan. It's a good question. I'll start here. I'll tell you what they shouldn't do. They shouldn't start calling every preacher in the directory and asking them what they think. They shouldn't go around to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and see what they think about them. Or if they have read the news or something of that nature, obviously depending on the allegation. Um, some allegations don't have to be backed up. If someone's committed murder, we'll all know that pretty quick. Um, however, I would say what they ought to do is they have to have courage, they have to have strength, and they need to go talk to that brother. We are so blessed to have easy communication. It's not hard to pick up the phone and say, I've heard this about you. This is terrible. And I think that's exactly what Paul did in Acts 28. He was convinced that they had heard, the Jews there in Rome had heard about himself. Um, and so he calls them to clear his name. And if we hear an allegation made, I think we should give that brother or sister an opportunity to clear their own name. If that is unsatisfactory, I think the best place to go is to the local leadership of the church that he attends. Um, again, keeping it to a few, that's not to everyone. I think that talking to them first has to be the first step. And then after that, um, talking to their local leadership, um, specifically their elders, if, if they have such, um, and asking about them. Again, um, 
this, this is under the supposition that everyone is doing things according to the biblical pattern. So let's assume that we have eldership that, actually, that keep track of their members, that know what's going on in, in their flock, that are shepherding their flock accordingly. The elder's going to know if these allegations are true. Maybe they haven't heard. And then the personal responsibility, I think, of the one who heard it through the grapevine is removed, and that goes to the eldership. I think your eldership has to, has to be responsible for that. Now, in the absence of that, that's a whole different thing, and that's not my topic. So um, I'll leave that to someone else. But that would be my answer to that. All right, Alan Bonifay, and then back to Stuart Crouch in the back. That was impressive, Austin. I would just like to make a comment. A poison pen letter with no named witnesses and no named victims and the passage of years, nothing being given to substantiate, that is not only sinful, that is unspeakably wicked. It's directly from the devil. It is nothing that Christians should have anything to do with. And I know you said all that, but I'm older than you, and I wanted to underline what you said, because I thought it was absolutely spot on. And I want to say something else. We may not know who wrote such a poison pen letter, but there is no Bible authority for that kind of letter being sent all over the brotherhood whatsoever. There is no Bible authority for that. And the people who are using that or who do use that uh, to effectively destroy someone's reputation are just as wicked and just as devilish as the person who sent the letter. And we cannot have it. And it must be ignored and dismissed. And the people who are doing that need to be dealt with by their congregations. That was excellent. I couldn't agree more, and I'm, I'm glad someone older than me said it also. <laughs> Thank you. Hypothetically speaking, Shahe comes up to me. He tells me something about Glenn. I, I can talk about Glenn. <laughs> uh, but let's say Shahe comes and tells me something that he's heard about a brother. Do you think it would be better for me to go to hypothetically Glenn, or do you think it would be better for me to encourage Shahe to go to Glenn? with the message that he's heard, or ask him whether he's heard that, or talk to Glenn about that. Uh, which do you think would be a better solution? That's a great question. It, it, it truly is. Um, I think both the options you gave, I think, would be good. Um, I think there's a sense, again, if Shahe does that, shame on you, Shahe. <laughs> <laughs> But if Shahe were to do something like that, I think that you have an obligation to say, brother, you should not be saying this, first and foremost. This is, this is gossip. You really need to not, not be doing this. And you should go to Glenn. If, if this is a concern that you have about Glenn, you need to go to Glenn and talk about him. Uh, talk, not about him, <laughs> but, to, but to, to Glenn. And I would also additionally say, that because of that rebuke, that it would be it would be wise to then follow up with Shahe. Did you go and talk to Glenn? 
because that what you told me isn't good and you need to get this off of your mind and clear in your conscience or Glenn needs to repent or Glenn needs to make a, a confession or, or whatever the case might be. In the interest of Glenn's soul and in the interest of Shahe's in that hypothetical situation, um, I think it would behoove us, it would behoove all parties concerned that, you, that a rebuke be issued, that you send him back uh, to the person about whom he is talking, and then follow up in the case um, with Shahe in the case that he does not do that. If he refuses to do that, then I think there are other steps that, that ought to be taken, um, even Matthew 18 type of steps, um, in unrepentant habitual sin. Um, that... Does that answer your question? Okay. Any other questions? Greg Gay? I'll talk to Glenn later. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he did. <laughs> In uh, Galatians 2, when Peter was caught up with circumcision issues and Paul came, he confronted him to the face called him a hypocrite. That was a very, very public rebuke. And it was the highest possible office individuals in the church involved. And it appears that the more responsible, the more responsible a person is in a congregation, or in their case, in the Lord's church as a whole, as apostles, the more public the rebuke has to be for those who make mistakes. We know Peter made that right. We know he took that well, or else he could not have been an elder in his home congregation in years to come. It's not always easy when someone says, brother, you've made a big mistake and air your dirty laundry in front of everybody. And that's what Peter endured. And forever we see him as an example of what not to do, but we also see him as an example of how to respond when you've been caught up in something that wasn't appropriate. But not just apostles, the highest office we have among us, of course, is the position of those who are elders. And we love them and we appreciate them, but they are not beyond making mistakes. And when Paul talked to Timothy, uh, he talked about only rebuking them in the mouth of two or three witnesses, okay, following what you, what you said. And then he said, them that sin, rebuke before all that others also may fear. It's not unusual when something happens in our lives, in our families, in our congregations, among our leadership, for individuals to say, let's just keep this secret. There are times when that can be done. But if it is an elder of a congregation, there has to be some loving announcement that says this is the problem and it has been resolved or some summary of the problem and it has been resolved or this is the problem and it has not been resolved because everyone needs to know. Now, not everyone needs to know everyone's private business. In the Lord's Church, those of us who are preachers in many states are mandated reporters. 
If someone comes to us and says, I am a whatever, fill in the blank, and laws have been broken, then I have told people through the years, I can go with you to the authorities, or you can go on your own, or I will go on my own about you. I will not hide sin that is against the law. And I think we who are preachers need to be very, very careful if we do such as that. Also, through the years, I have informed individuals, if individuals have practiced sin in their lives, and I'll use the example of immorality, if there's been unfaithfulness in a marriage and someone comes to me about that, I will say we must talk to the leaders of the congregation about this issue. Because the leaders of a congregation, whether elders or not, are responsible for, for protecting the flock. And they must know what's going on in the congregation in order to lead correctly. It's not unusual for individuals who want to keep secrets to the point that there's all kinds of patent place type issues going on in their own congregation and the leadership doesn't know because people don't love them enough to trust them with that information. Now this is not in any way, I believe, gossip or being misleading or wanting to hurt someone. It's wanting all of us to go to heaven. And we have to be willing to love one another enough to speak the truth. And for those who have accused others wrongly and have been found out, may they have the courage to talk to that person that they have accused falsely and apologize to them. Now, I won't hold my breath, neither should anybody else. A hearty amen to that. And I'd also add just a couple of things to that in addition. Um, number one, you were talking about elders, and I'm glad you brought up that verse. And I think that shows that, you know, sometimes I think internally, we may not verbalize it as a brotherhood. Now, I'm speaking very generally here, obviously. But the idea of clout, the idea of authority. If there is someone who is in sin, no one is above rebuke. And anyone can issue that rebuke with, as that verse shows, the proper credibility in the mouth of two or three witnesses and in a public fashion. And I think that separates the church and it separates God's people, even historically, even back in the Old Testament, about not keeping secrets and not shoving sins under the rug and, um, you know, in some bombshell case, uh, we hear it almost every day on the news, some bombshell that's been broken. Um, you, you look at the book of Judges. Why is the book of Judges in the Bible? There's a lot of ugly things in the book of Judges. God wanted his people to know the ugly side. And he wanted them to know what sin is and what it looks like and what punishment for that sin involves. And without that, that's what separates us, I believe, from, from corporations and from, from other entities, even other denominations. When sin is involved, it needs to be rebuked. It needs to be opened, depending, as, as you indicated, uh, the further up that you go, um, perhaps more publicly needs to be said. Again, wisdom is involved in that, but um, I agree wholeheartedly. Anyone else? Final uh, remarks, Austin? Just a couple. Um, I want to thank the, the congregation for 
uh, having the confidence and faith in me to, to present on this topic. I was, I was very nervous about it. Um, I appreciate that. And, it, and again, this is something that has, that has really um, it's challenged me. I hope it's challenged you as well. And I hope you can take what I've said tonight and, and learn from even the mistakes that I've made. Because I haven't been, been perfect in this. And as Brother Bart said more than once uh, in conversations with him, it takes the wisdom of Solomon to really understand how to use the tongue appropriately. So thank you.